Welcome to Chasing Prophecy Radio, where we discuss the unidentified, the unexplainable, paranormal, conspiracies, and much more. Starring your host and co-host, Jenny Nicasio, Sean Kelly, and Jason Sledgehammer Ryan Petro. Brought to you by UPRN Network. Now for your host, Jenny Nicasio. Good evening and welcome to Chasing Prophecy on FM 105.1 New Orleans, where we discuss anything and everything beyond the scope of normal. Remember to like us on YouTube and follow us on Instagram. Happy Thursday, guys. Happy, Happy Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Oh, one more oh, yeah. week, guys. I hope Thirsty you had a great Thursday. day. I got my coffee ready. I got my uh, Hello Gorgeous mug. Okay. <laughs> That's for all you gorgeous people out there. Very yeah, nice. I hope well, you're having. You. You having a good day so far? It's Thursday. Friday's tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 This week seemed to uh, start off kind of slow, but it really picked up the pace towards the end here. So bring on the yeah, weekend. Definitely. Yes. Bring yeah. on the weekend. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know if you guys have noticed that more UFO sightings have been posted to the MUFON.com. And I, I go in there and I look at all the stuff that they see. And uh, as you remember, a few months ago, um, before the Senate hearings on the disclosed information regarding the UFOs that dive into water and then they shoot back up into the sky. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sure do. And we discussed that a couple different times. Well, last night I was watching Debbie uh, Ziegelmeyer. I hope I didn't screw her name up because you know that <laughs> I have a record. I'm going to have to break that. But um, I was watching her videos and I was like, oh, wow, this is so cool. And I just want to let you know that after, you know, I do want to tell you that the more I watch them, the more I think maybe that she's onto something. And she believes that the underground um, water bases, the alien, they're under, they're, there are underground water bases, alien bases. And she has a new book coming out too this month. And uh, lucky for us and you guys listening, we have her on the show this evening. Um, she's a successful entrepreneur, a diver. She does scuba diving. She's a paranormal investigator, a lecturer in um, Missouri. Among her paranormal research efforts, she has spent the last decades, I guess maybe more, looking into UFO phenomena. And she's a state director of the Mutual UFO MUFONT, um, and that's Missouri chapter. And she's the head of the MUFON dive team, which I think is so awesome. I have, can't wait to talk to her about that. And she's a member of the MUFON board of directors. She teaches underwater UFO search and recovery. She's appeared on as a volunteer archaeologist on the sci-fi station, Roswell Crash Startling New Evidence and NBC's Sci-Fi Investigate Roswell. And I'm sure there's a hundred more things that she has done. So um, without further ado, we are going to welcome and Debbie, welcome to Chasing Prophecies. Welcome back. That's Debbie, all I'm going to say. Debbie. Yeah. Hey, Debbie. <laughs> welcome hey. back, Debbie. Um, what can I say? Um, we had you back in July. Oh, she's muted. She's oh, muted. she's muted. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, let's see why she's muted. I have uh, her in there. It might be on her end. Uh, Debbie, you might be muted. Now am I unmuted? There we yes, go. Hey. Yes, you are. Welcome. Welcome, hey, welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> welcome back. We had you in July when we had the panel while we discussed the Roswell in incident, which was very interesting. So, Debbie, since you had a time to um, digest all that, what happened last month, and um, mm -hmm. before we get started. All this hair. <laughs> you have a beautiful head of hair. Um, 
what's your conclusion to this? Because we didn't get your, we heard what Joe said um, about it, and we heard what um, Tom Carey said. So before we get into, um, before we dive deep into the underground um, alien bases, what would you, what do you, what do you say <laughs> about that? Uh, Roswell. Well, about Ro oh, Roswell. Do you think, um, I'm sure you, well, then let, let me have you talk and tell us because I'm not going to screw well, that up. Well, I, I definitely think there um, was a crash. In fact, um, July, I believe it was uh, 7th and 8th of 1947, there were sightings over Catalina Island off California. And in fact, that right around that couple weeks, starting um, just a couple weeks prior to the Roswell incident um, with, with uh, um, um, I mean, there were sightings that were going on in multiple across, uh, across the whole country. And as far as actually having a crash in Roswell um, actually occurring, yeah. Um, I talked to a lot of witnesses there who, um, you know, the, uh, they said they saw something, explosion in the sky. I talked to fa the Brazel family members. Um, I talked to uh, um, the granddaughter, Fawn Fritz, and she said she remembered that granddaddy had seen uh, creatures. He described them as creatures. Uh, she also told us that um, he, granddaddy didn't get a brand new pickup truck. There were a lot of rumors going on. They did hold him for five days. Why would they hold this man for five days? And, you know, he was uh, um, the the uh, foreman of the Foster Ranch, you know, went out there and mm -hmm. found debris. And, you know, why would they hold this man for finding a weather balloon? They used to find weather balloons all the time. And in fact, uh, I think it was 2007 or eight. We were I was driving down there. And um, the weather balloon went right over the debris field. <laughs> I mean, I have it on video. So there's so much that, it, you know, I could go on forever and ever. And you can tell behind me there's a probably a whole shelf of Roswell books. Wow. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> there were too many people that saw too many things and uh, just to have this made up. And the cover-up was way too big. Uh, in fact, um, uh, um, it was Nancy Easley Johnston. Uh, that was one of the archaeology uh, volunteers in 2002 when I did the first archaeology dig. Her her daddy was the person that cordoned off um, Easley. Uh, it was Captain Captain or Colonel Colonel Easley, I believe, cordoned off the area a quarter mile. They walked shoulder to shoulder, gathering up pieces of a weather balloon. I mean, get really. Uh, you know, they, it was, that's why I said, well, Tom Carey has been investigating Roswell. <laughs> He's got a lot of books on it. And that's why I said, Tom, I want to hear your take on this because um, I mean, between him and uh, Don Schmidt, I think they've, they've uh, interviewed over 150 witnesses. I mean, I've probably interviewed 25, 30, but um, I, I, I met uh, um, uh, Glenn Dennis who told me the story. He, he sat me down in his office way back, I think it was 2002. And um, even told me about the nurse that had drawn a napkin, had drawn the alien face and the hands with four fingers and then had taken it, showed it to him, said, that's what she saw. And then she lit it a fire and put it in a glass of water. I talked to Walter Hot. Oh I knew both of them very well. And, um, we would, you know, my brother and I would travel down to Roswell every every four day holiday week, and we'd we'd be there three four times a year, and we were always invited into their office. They were both wonderful gentlemen. 
So uh, it it was it would be a lot to do about nothing if something didn't happen. Definitely. Yeah, I'd say definitely. So. Yeah. Definitely. So let's dive deep into the UFO and to the ocean. Okay. You mentioned in one of your YouTube videos that one in five UFO sightings are water related. Right. Tell us about that. Well, um, I've, I've been surprisingly enough. Um, (laughs) I was not that big of a water person and I kind of got drug into it. I think maybe right place at the right time. Um, since I, I had become a MUFON field investigator in 2000 and let's say 2001, I became a scuba diver uh, just right after 9-11, the weekend afterward. But I, I you know, the, it's so such a vast amount of the earth. 70% of the earth is water. And it just seemed to me this would be the place to hide, especially as much diving as I've done. I mean, I've been at what went all the way from open water diver to instructor. Um, I dove all over the Caribbean. I dove in Alaska, but there's, I, so I, I found that with all that vast amount of the earth that it's covered by water. And I started, you know, I thought this is a perfect hiding place. So I started doing my research in that area. And I, the more and more I researched it, the more intrigued I became because I was finding that one in five of these sightings were in and around water. Now, that's not just necessarily oceans and seas, but this is also, this is rivers, lakes. Uh, right here in Missouri in 1973, uh, we had the, um, they call it the, the Bushy Creek incident, which was actually uh, a sighting right there in 1973 in Piedmont where a craft, uh, Gene Coleman, was very young woman at the time was coming back from party and saw a cra- from a party and saw a craft hovering over Clearwater Lake. I mean that's about an hour and thirty minutes from my house, and I remember going there as a teenager and swimming in that lake. It was a great swimming skiing lake. Uh, so I started researching it farther. Well, my family lives in California. I started looking up Catalina Island sightings. And not just the 1947 sightings, but these things have gone on and on and on. I mean, there are still sightings. And it, the, the funny thing about it was uh, uh, I went um, in May, I went back. I had some family business to attend to. And I went to the Wyland studio that's right there in uh, Laguna Beach. And we were looking at the artwork. And I said, you know, you're right here on the ocean. Have either of you ladies that, that there were the, the, the ladies, the salespeople there. And I said, have either of you ladies seen any UFOs? And they both had, they said, just sometimes um, if they worked later and it was dark, they both of them won a couple different times. One of them at least once had looked out over the back, overlooking the ocean in the direction of Catalina Island and had seen these balls of light dancing in the sky. Uh, they said they weren't planes. They said, we know what planes look like. I, so, all you have to do is go someplace where there's water, a massive amount of water, and talk to a local. We went to, um, uh, I went on the MUFON cruise, and when we got to Cozumel, the, uh, um, our tour guide was telling us, he, he said, why have all of you got UFO shirts on? And we said, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> do, do you know who we are? And he said, you know, about 20 years ago, he said, in fact, right there. And he showed us right where, right off of the ocean in Cozumel, he said right there, a a silver metallic ball came up from, he said, that little island that's right there, which was just a stone throw from the beach. 
He said it came up out of the water and started following his car all the way home. His cousin was behind him and also saw it. And uh, he said, this is about 20 years ago. He says, I've never forgot it. And he said, you know, all you have to do is talk to any of the area fishermen. And they've all had sightings. So uh, with that, I I started going back through log books. I mean, even before Columbus, I think it was uh, 1067 was the first that I found documented water sighting. But uh, I believe it was October 11th of uh, 1492, Columbus had a UFO sighting. There's sightings that go back centuries that are logged by ship captains. So, I mean, it, that is the place. And then look at all the all what was just been released uh, yeah. by the government. It's Navy pilots that are seeing these. Sean, what are your thoughts on this? I think it's quite interesting. Um, as I was researching for tonight's show, um, I came across <clears throat> they're called bloops. Have you heard of those before? The bloops that are in the ocean over there in the Pacific Ocean. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, okay. I have. Um, so I kind of like uh, was looking more into that situation, and the more I looked at it, the more I read, the more I listened to on YouTube. It is very possible that that could be an alien base down in that area where NOAA um, is. I guess they're part of the government, and they're not going to tell you that there's alien bases down there. But it kind of like really intrigued me when when, I, when a friend of mine told me about the bloops. And um, so as I was researching, I came across this. Uh, have you ever heard of H.P. Lovecraft? He's an author back in 1926. He wrote a book called yeah. uh, Cruthula. It's uh, it was a little short story that he wrote. And uh, it was part of an underground um, city in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, oh. I don't know. I wondered if you ever like heard of that stuff or not. No, I did research. I found th- a lot of um, excerpts, um, Psalms from the Bible. Uh, I also found um, mm-hmm. ancient um, uh, uh, Japanese stories about uh, a lady that I believe they said she, her skin was so white it was almost bluish that she floated in some kind of a strange craft onto the shore and they took her in uh there's two different versions to the story one of them was that she stayed there she had the inside of the craft the 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 boat had some very strange things inside of it it was almost like it had windows you know i mean and this is you know several hundred years ago and um they kept her and pushed the boat back out and another version of it was they put her back on the boat and pushed her back out so uh, stories, I've, you know, I've done a lot of research, but, I, you know, I never saw that. There's just so much out there. It's just incredible, especially that has to do with water. Jason, do you have anything on that? Or yeah, speaking of the water and UFOs, uh, something I was thinking about um, that you may know is uh, do the UFOs prefer like salt water or more of like a freshwater area? you know, when it comes to, you know, having their bases and everything, is there like a difference between that one over the other? I don't think they, I don't think it makes any difference. Um, Clearwater Lake, of course, is fresh water. Um, the ocean, you know, you hear about, well, Shag Harbor, you right. know, the incident where there, there was a crash in Shag Harbor. 
Uh, I believe as far as base, maybe base wise, depends on the agenda. If you're going to look for a place to where you're going to hide and a base, a base could be underwater, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a craft. They okay. can have built something underwater and, you know, a, a, over centuries, they could have been there for absolutely for centuries, um, especially with the research that I've done, where you could have a physical base, you could have a wormhole, you could have a craft that can move. Uh, so there, there's, um, it, I think a lot of it too, it, it, we try and um, rationalize what people are seeing or try and investigate what they're seeing. But we humans have a bad habit of categorizing you know, so right. <laughs> just because you see an alien come out of the water, you say, "Ooh, alien base. There's a lot of different aliens. It could be a physical base. It could be in a mountain. I believe uh, there's Moon Mountain off of Catalina Island. I believe there's something in there that maybe the mountain opens up and they go in. I believe other areas. Alaska is very active in, uh, for bases, but um some of the places where things have come in and out of the water, uh, I, I think there, there could be a base in one place that maybe that's one species and it could actually be a wormhole in another place that's a different species because there are different, the different species of aliens that are being seen in the same general area, especially Puerto Rico. Oh, my gosh. If you go on um, Jorge Martin's website, He's the foremost expert on Puerto Rico. I spoke with him and he said that there's a wormhole that comes out and opened up into the sky and it's on his website. Good. And a craft, he says, craft come down and enter the water right by oh pond. And then he said they go back in. I mean, it's on his website. So, I mean, he's been investigating there for years. So, I mean, the Caribbean is a fantastic place to, to hide. Nice. <laughs> do, you think that, uh, do you think that a lot of these aliens that are underwater like they reside in like the depths of the ocean that we are unable to get to like currently. So like it's harder to detect them. Is well, that a possibility? If you could travel light years or you're, you've got the capability to travel maybe warp time or bend time or uh, maybe come back in time, this could be us. Some of them could be us. Some of them could could be coming. Basically, the technology is that it, it doesn't really matter how deep or whether it's salt water. I don't think I ever answered the other question, whether it's salt or it's fresh. Uh, Carl Feint and I had a conversation. He was a wonderful man. I, you know, I was sad when he passed. And he he seemed to believe that the electromagnetic magnetic field that is around all these craft that we hear about, that that gives them the ability to enter and leave the Earth's atmosphere at high rates of speed and also enter the water and move through the water at high rates of speed because this electromagnetic field is covering the craft. So the craft never actually comes in contact with the water or with our atmosphere. So because that's a barrier. Exactly. Yeah. That would answer the question of the salt water. And as far as the depths, if you're going to try and hide, you're going to hide in the depths. But let's just say that, um, you know, what's H2O? you know, hydrogen and oxygen. Okay. So maybe they're using the hydrogen as a form of a, a fuel and they're replenishing their, their ships like NASA used um, hydrogen, you know, as what all the way back to mercury, you know, was using hydrogen for their fuel cells. So you would go into a deeper body of water, let's see a river or a lake and you sift things out. Um, maybe another species just needs some type of food. 
uh, plankton kind of like whales, you know, how whales will filter through and they'll, they'll eat, basically ingest plankton. Maybe they're filtering through and they're getting some kind of, of organic nourishment. What about salt? Maybe they need salt. They there might. Was, yeah, maybe. They <laughs> may need salt, too. Uh, there, so there was, that, yeah. That would be, the, depending on what it was, what the agenda is, is probably the depth of water. Also, probably, um, if you're trying to hide, maybe, you know, a lot of it, too, whatever is available. So, Definitely. I mean, they, if they travel at a high rate of speed, and let's just say you see this craft that's over Missouri, if they can go like lightning and, and make it to the ocean in Florida, you know? Is, is, there, <laughs> is there any kind of like a, like, is there anything that we have that could go to these depths of the water? Like, as you said, only how, how much percentage was it? 5% that we've actually. Less than 5%, according to Noah, that we've actually explored yeah. our oceans. I mean, they go down miles. There's, that, that was in my book, how many trenches. It's amazing how many trenches there are. Deep, deep trenches that we just don't have the, the capability. We don't have like that. What was that movie when we were kids? It was like legions under the water. We don't oh, have any. 20 legions. Yes, we don't have anything that can go. They're not, they haven't invented Too much anything. pressure under there, yeah. Well, we, we, we've been underwater for a long time um, with Kong Shelf, with um, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, the, uh, scientific bases underwater. Um, Jacques Cousteau, and then now his son, his grandson actually, is, is, um, has got a place um, off of the Florida Keys. But they're only 30, 40, 50, 60 feet deep. Some of these, they're not that deep. We also have bases. We've got underwater bases for our submarines. Some of, we found those out with the Russians um, when they, the, the submarines started to have problems. There's uh, closed down Russian, closed down Chinese um, underwater uh, submarine bases. And oh, wow. And you know, it makes you wonder why these things are closed down. Has the technology gone that much farther past that that they're able to go deeper? And these ones that are fairly sh shallow and detectable by Google Earth or a fl plane flyover or whatever, you know, they've gone more into the depths. But as far as going deep, 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 um, Grant Cam was it not Grant Cameron? It was Cameron uh, Cameron. Um, yeah, Cart Cameron. Um, it no, it's the guy that's a, he's a, uh, underwater. Well, he, he went down, um, in, um, um, a few years ago in just like a bullet that went down into the Mariana, Mariana trench, mm -hmm. very deep, 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 deep in the water, but he was just barely down there and then just came back up. You can't really go at depth for very long. <laughs> And yeah, tell us how, I mean, I was re also reading about you um, being a scuba diver, like you, in your bio, you, how did you get into that? And, and how did, did you start the MUFON dive team? Uh, Tom Ferrario and I did way back. We were working with Ted Phillips and uh, Tom has now taken over in place of Ted Phillips. Um, the, I guess it's um, uh, SIU team, I believe. Um, but his Marley Woods team. But we got into discussion one night over a campfire investigating Marley Woods with Ted. And Ted was really into caves. And we started thinking, what about underwater caves? And then we oh, started thinking, what yeah. about underwater? 
And before we knew it, Tom and I were running, I believe it was back in 2003, we held the first underwater UFO search and recovery class in um, in Rolla, Missouri at a quarry. That was great. We put a, a, a 10 foot in diameter satellite dish with legs on it and put it underwater at 30 feet. And <laughs> I mean, so we, we had, we had a whole uh, weekend. I believe we did four dives, but I mean, that, that was a, the premise behind it too, was that um, when you try and dive for something, if you're looking for something, we took them all down 30 feet and, um, told them ahead of time, you're going to descend down this line, go to the UFO, swim around it, then compass your way back to shore. And we, we hovered underwater and waited for every one of them to come back because the, the metal from the satellite dish, it caused a false north. And so everybody ended up back with us. <laughs> Their compass just <laughs> right around. So we thought that's, that's a, one way to find something that has crashed underwater something large yeah. and metal, you could take your compass for that. But a lot of what the other that we did for small pieces, we trained in how to do recovery of smaller things. So um, I wish we could be doing more of it. I've done a couple dives looking for things, but everything is really at depth. So um, we're looking more to sonar, um, mini subs. I do have one of my investigators, uh, Chuck Frieden, from Columbia is a mini sub captain. Um, so uh, we're, we're ready to go underwater. There's, there's stuff going on right now. Um, Hudson Valley that we would love to get and take a look at that. There's some, um, uh, some uh, lakes in the Kansas city area. We'd love to get in. What we found out our biggest problem is a lot of these lakes where things are coming in and out of happen to be reservoirs that water is coming from and They don't want divers in there. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, you know, they, they get Why's a little, that? well, you know, if, if you're getting your drinking water from this and then you got divers in there, you know, at, I was certified, <laughs> I was certified the weekend after nine 11. And the first thing the FBI did was come and pull all the files from the dive instructors for the last year, wondering if maybe these people that we were going to go underwater and, and bomb dams or, um, you know, what, uh, I mean, they, you, you know, I get, suspicious and if you've got divers going underwater in an area that that they're not usually there people get really suspicious you know especially with things that you know the way the world is now right. um if, if they're traveling these these crafts are traveling thousand miles an hour and why aren't there any sonic booms like well, Go yeah, that, that was Carl Feint's um, um, theory, was it the electromagnetic field around it, around these craft that they're able to enter and leave and enter the atmosphere um, without causing a sonic boom. And then also I've, I spoke to a couple different people that have been on nuclear subs, and they talk about fast movers, and these things go across the sonar just at a high rate of speed. They, tr they could travel through water faster than we, our capabilities and it's probably because this electromagnetic field around them, they can just skip through rather than, you know, trying to push your way through water. It's almost like a force field. Right. Yeah. Um, John, I don't, know, I don't know if you know John Venture. He used to be a MUFON um, yeah. director for Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. When I was writing my trilogy from the sky, um, one of the things we talked about, what for my third book, what could prevent these, 
crafts, like you said, a barrier. Could it have something like he said, boron covering? I don't know. What do you feel about that? Like it has a boron covering. What do you what do you think about that? The craft? Yes. Possibly. Um, if he was able to uh, find some kind of evidence of a craft having a boron covering might be, but then you've got several different species. It might be something yeah. from somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard to tell. We In Roswell, we found uh, um, and back in 2002, uh, we were, I was sifting through and found just a little silver metallic piece. It was like the golden grail. We went over there on the, uh, out in the <laughs> desert in the heat. We're John would understand that. Uh, huh, John? Wow. <laughs> not, 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 <laughs> Not even a not even a tree, you know, to 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 go behind for a little shade or, I uh, but, um, and uh, we it, uh, it was my my brother had it analyzed uh, through his work. Uh, they they had a, a piece of equipment that could take it down to microns, and it was really pure aluminum with a little bit of silicon. Hmm. Uh, the dirt hmm. particles on it had uh, titanium. But only in the dirt particles. That's strange. Yeah, only in the yeah, dirt and, particles. And and um, I I spoke to um, Staten Friedman okay. right after we found it, and he said that he had had reports because it was just this little piece of triangle, and it was really flimsy. And I had a lot of people say, "Would you try and tear it?" I went, "Well, no. You know, I don't want to try and tear something and destroy what I found." The first thing I did in this heat was I put a finger lock on it because the wind was blowing, and I'm out in the middle of the desert. Uh, 75 miles from the town of Roswell, and I put a little envelope, marked it, and sealed it up so it could be analyzed. But um, Staten had said that he had reports that some alien beings, witnesses had seen their suits were a bunch of little tiny triangles all put together. Oh, you know, just this little, that was the wonder pattern. why that would be. Well, I guess just the pattern of a, of a whatever it was wearing. And that they were just all these, the pattern was little triangles. And I thought, well, that's really kind of interesting. Like, could even be like, sort of like a fish's skin. You know how that. Right. Know, yeah. Scales. Well, what scales. About, yeah, like scales. Well, what about, okay, so we're talking about underground alien bases and aliens. And you have the mythology of mermaids, mermen. Um, right. Maybe those are species of aliens, or maybe they ship shaped that they can swim underground and then they can walk on land. Maybe that they could do something like that. I never really put, I never thought of that with the underground bases because people, I mean, well, for centuries, I've seen these fishermen have seen these creatures that right. this, they're part man and pa part fish. Um, I saw a special on that, maybe. Two, three years ago, somebody had video of a mermaid. They were down really deep. Mm -hmm. And this thing came across the screen. Then I heard that it was faked. Um, but I don't know. You know, if you, you discover something and someone wants to cover it up, the first thing they do is yell fake. And, they, and everybody backs yeah. off and goes that well. Uh, but <laughs> the, the Russians released uh, a lot of freedom for... I guess their Freedom of Information Act, they released a lot of documents. And in those, and then also um, a book, I, I ordered a book uh, about uh, Russian UFO sightings. Hmm. And the uh, in both places, 
I've, I've through the documents and in the book, which maybe the book probably got them from the documents, there was talk about Lake Bakayal that um, there were, um, I believe it was four um, um, military uh, divers. They were training and they were down at about 250 feet. So, I mean, that that's high tech diving because a recreational diver is, you know, we're limited to 130. I've been to about a 145 just kind of through default in Cozumel. Uh, but they were down there and they saw this group of aliens. I believe it was five or six, but they said they were tall, about 10 foot tall. They had something in their mouth like a, a, a breathing apparatus, but they really didn't have a tank, you know. And so they, they didn't have the kind of equipment that the divers had. And they were 10 foot tall, really shiny. So they, it kind of spooked these divers. They, they uh, went back up. And in fact, I think it was four aliens and six divers is what it was. The divers went back up. And a couple of days later, some, some brilliant official decided that they were going to send these guys back down with a net. So they go back <laughs> down to depth. <laughs> With a net, they're going. Right? Oh, they're, gonna, get you. they're gonna bring one of them. Up. Oh, the poor and, little. Oh my creatures. gosh! So, oh, the, oh, ten foot tall. Oh, so they With go net. down there. And, come here, come here, come on, just jump in this net real quick. It's terrible. <laughs> well, one of the divers approached with this net and went to fling it over this alien. And when they did, the alien put his hands out like that, and the divers immediately went from two hundred and fifty feet to the surface. Oh my wow. God! So uh, decompression sickness. Well, the um, the Russians only had two decompression chambers available, oh, no. and one was oh, broken. Wow. So uh, the two lowest ranking members were just allowed to die, and they took wow. the other four and they shoved them in in this one decompression chamber. And I believe that three of them passed away; only one survived. And the you know from what the uh, the uh, what from what the article had said was that you're not allowed to dive at depth anymore. They stopped the training in that lake and a nearby lake. And then I also came across a story of um, in the mountains found in a cave were odd shaped ten foot tall skeletal bones of mm. something that looked alien. So the Russians oh. have ten foot tall alien species apparently that can dive at depth live at depth apparently there's some kind of a base down there in the area i did a lot of research and it, and it seemed like russia that in and around russia there i guess maybe the cold water i don't really know hey. but uh, have <laughs> you ever talked have you ever talked to some russian ufologist about it uh no i i the one that I had um, that wrote the book has since passed away. Um, so no, I, I really have. I, I would assume that um, they'd speak Russian, which I don't. I, I had a, okay. a, a hard enough time um, understanding that um, Mr. Martin, because <laughs> he, he had an accent. <laughs> um, and then I asked him, I said, how come your book on Puerto Rico, you only have one book that's in English? And I said, your magazine, I would love to take your magazine. It's they're all in Spanish. So he did put out one book. Let me hablo oh. espanol. <laughs> yeah. I never learned. No, I, I think <laughs> I'm if, trouble it, with English. <laughs> if it was, if it was me, you know, even though I would find an interpreter and try to mm. find a UFOlogist over there to try to compare the stories. 
you know, what they you think. Know, I, I started researching Russia um, for the book, so I haven't researched it for that long. You know, maybe three years ago, I think, actually, I started researching. Um, and it was probably because all over the news, it was always, if you remember the last three, four, five years, it's been Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all you hear about. Mm-hmm. Russia said every time anything happens anywhere in the world, the Russians are behind it. And and I got so tired of hearing Russia, Russia, Russia. And I thought, oh, I wonder what kind of sightings I could have researched China or, um, gee, just about any country. But it just Russia was on the mind. And so I started looking through ordering books and um, looking online, freedom of information. And I just started going into the, you know, more in the Russian, uh, you know, because I, there's a lot going on in the U.K., in Wales and in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the reasoning behind. Yeah, I'd love to interview somebody in Russian. That'd be cool. Um, I think when, that would uh, be nice. When you interview all these, uh, the people that you interview, uh, how do you, is there like a certain way that you differentiate, like who's telling the truth compared to like, maybe somebody's just looking for, you know, like, hey, I saw this, I saw that, but they really didn't, but they just want to get like recognized kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh that's where research comes in. Um, I believe last I looked on um, it's somewhere around 900 MUFON investigation cases that I've worked on. Not That's not counting stuff I've done on my own. And you get to after a while, it's like a police officer. You know, there's signals. You can tell right off if a police officer goes up to a car on a traffic stop and they, they've heard every single story. <laughs> right. How many times. You know, um, usually a big giveaway is a witness will have pictures and they don't want to give you a copy. They uh, they think they're going to make a million dollars. And I went, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've been yeah, in this okay. for 20 yeah. years. You know, there's no money <laughs> in this. I mean, you all know that you're not going to get yep. rich. You know, right. I mean, I, I have a picture of a craft that um, some three little craft that I took off of a cruise ship. Um, I have no idea. I've since uh, found two other cases. That was in 2006. I took that off a of Royal Caribbean. Uh, 2018, someone else took the same thing, almost in the same area, off a of Royal Caribbean. And um, I have uh, one of my investigators five years ago, his daughter uh, and her husband went to, I believe he said Ireland, and they saw something hovering over lake. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the picture will be end up in my book. I hope, but yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I do have one uh, more question for you, and then I'll let you go. Um, what if you had the opportunity, and an alien actually you stood in front of an alien? What would you do? What would I do if I stood in front of an alien? I come yeah, in peace. Just... <laughs> no, really. <laughs> um. Honestly, I would probably just stand there and wait to see why this alien was standing there in front of me. Okay. Obviously, for a reason, you know, if you're if you're. So, let's say outside and an alien walks up and approaches you, I would probably wait to see what it what this creature wanted, if it wanted to communicate, if I wanted me back on its ship, I wouldn't run. Um, <laughs> but I think that's what it, I think I would just stand back and analyze and wait to see what the next step was. And then I guess okay. if the next step was 
you know, if I got motion to go aboard the ship, I think I'd go. I know I would go. Mm -hmm. um, it's probably not the smartest thing to do. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I told people that. I said, don't be, you know, be careful what you wish for. You don't know who or what is out there. There's people out there taking flashlights and flashing them up into the sky. Then what Definitely. are you going to do when somebody comes back down? You know, <laughs> we have sky watches once in a while and they're saying, okay, you know, at a certain time, everybody shine their flashlight up. And I said, what if they actually show up? Yeah, seriously. And they said, well, that'd yeah. be really cool. And I go, yeah, but what if they don't leave? What if now, now you've attracted this creature and they're going to visit you. They're going to abduct, you know, <laughs> I just, I just rather play caution you know, they throw caution to right. the wind. You don't but, want to antagonize them. Like. Well, no, you don't know. And I mean, it could be a, a, a creature that would be a being that was mm -hmm. friendly. And it could be one that maybe not it's so much. A little hostile. You know, it could be somebody that, that says, greetings, welcome to my planet, or welcome to my ship. <laughs> so it could be another one that's, it's a cookbook. It might not be like Close Encounters. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it might not be like Close Encounters. It, what was that, the day the Earth stood still? Yeah. That, yeah. Or was that... Um, there's so many of them. Right. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. What I want to know is, like, you know, the Atlantis, um, the lost city of Atlantis. Now, what if that really isn't, a, maybe it's still there, and we don't, it's not really lost, and these creatures or these crafts, these UFOs that are diving in are a part of that civilization that's still, it's maybe it's still there, and we just haven't found it. It's so deep down that we can't find it. That could be it too. Um, um, we don't. I mean, you don't know. What do you What do you think? Could it be part of Atlantis, or is that just a little fairy tale? Oh, I don't no, know. I think a fairy tale. I think Atlantis. I think existed, but I think it yes. sunk with a um, a, a tsunami. And it's a matter of where there's people that said, well, Atlantis was in the Caribbean, and then they're mm -hmm. saying that it was. Uh, oh gosh, where's another place? Well, do you think it's connected uh, to like the Island? Bermuda Triangle? Bermuda Triangle, you know, the, everybody talks about the Bermuda Triangle. You know, there are several triangles. There's the Alaskan yes. Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle. There's a triangle right off Japan that's the same way that ships go in and they don't come out. Well, have any of these UFO sightings or these crafts that go into the water have ever they've been seen in one of these locations? Do you know of? Oh, well, the, the Bermuda Triangle is uh, Miami, Bermuda, and I believe just a little bit on the other side of, I believe, Puerto Rico. So absolutely, yes. The Caribbean is a, a big area for UFO sightings. Guantanamo Bay, mm -hmm. you know, Cuba. I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. What is there the reason everything's disappearing? Ooh. Um, you know? Well, mm -hmm. you know, like Alaska, too. Um, I... I did a couple of episodes of uh, Alaska Triangle and actually got to go to Alaska and got to go scuba diving in Alaska. Oh, that was phenomenal. But um, oh, I talked to locals there and they said, well, there was a, uh, um, there, there was a, 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 like a, a Loch Ness monster that was going by in this one area. And I, I talked to one of, one of the local fishermen and he said, you know, it was a, uh, um, they followed a submarine in and here it is a bay in Alaska, a little town, little town of Valdez. These fishermen had followed a, a Russian submarine that had come right into the bay. And that, that was a periscope. Oh, but it, yeah, I thought, Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, we thought it was um, Nessie. 
<laughs> but, but, but then I also talked to people that said that there are uh, craft. They're watching these lights just coming in and out of the water. I started doing research about uh, what was in the water in that area. I mean, there's there's some areas over by, uh, uh, say, uh, uh, let's see. Uh, um, oh, gosh. Uh, Prince William Sound. There are so many boats that are down in that sound. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I went through, I mean, I did research for, for months. Every time I found anything, I'd go to all the websites. I've got them on Google Earth all marked, everything, all the ships that have gone down. You know, why, why are so many things sinking right there? I mean, I know some ships where I went diving, there was a dock down and they had to do with an earthquake. Mm -hmm. But there's, uh, and why is harp there? Yeah, there's yeah, really. just north of Ketchikan, there's two different harp installations. Uh, they, they've also got uh, um, a, just a little bit north of that, uh, our military base, and they're putting coatings on submarines and uh, testing acoustical. So you can't ping anymore sonar, they're going to be stealth. But with all that going on, and then people, I mean, the people, it, it, unbelievable amount of people disappear every year in alaska they just go off now some of the locals said okay it's a well, hot spot they're they said they're dumb tourists that carry food in their backpack and they get eaten by grizzly oh. bears oh geez and then i i <laughs> talked to my dive buddy alex and he said that um that he's part of the water rescue that they rent jeeps and they rent um uh, jets not jet skis uh, uh snowmobiles and he said they, they drive onto a lake that's not all that frozen and they go in and they're always having to re body recovery. So oh, that's where some of the people are. But there's not that many stupid tourists that go gr hiking. Grossly bears aren't probably eating um, them. Somebody else is eating or taking them. <laughs> well, and then, I, you know, I found um, a, a mountain that um, there's in the area where they have seen the mountain open up and close again and that craft are coming in and out. And I found that, um, that our government was doing um, remote viewing experiments. And some of it, they were asking people about, they were giving them areas and one of them was in Alaska, trying to find out, you know, wanted to know what was inside this building. I don't know if you knew that, but for years, our husband, our husband, our, our, our government was doing a remote viewing project. Oh, I, I with believe people. And, um, because they wanted to know what was inside a base or they thought maybe they could control people um, if they knew what was happening, let's say in, what, in the Middle East someplace, they could remote view it and they'd know where the soldiers were. So uh, I even spoke to a couple different people that were involved in that project. So this was back in the, started I believe in the early 70s and they were remote viewing parts of Alaska. I thought, why? especially in the 70s. So that's a really intriguing place. There's a lot. I don't know if you've ever seen that TV show, but there's a lot that's going on in Alaska that's just crazy. There's so much wilderness, too. It's like they can. Well, I mean, so there's a big Alaskan triangle there where, you know, most of it goes on. And then you've got Bermuda. Then Japan, the boats and things that disappear. Um, I kind of tracked down a couple other ones, too, off the East Coast. There's one. I mean, there's one in England. I mean, there are other triangle areas and why I don't know. I have, I, my um, expertise is more water, but I believe 
it may have something to do maybe with ley lines or or maybe ley lines. I mean, the ley lines, from what I understand, there's mm. electromagnetic fields involved with ley lines. And there's people that do research in that. I have um, one one last question before I have to let you go. Um, I, we're in West, we're not New Orleans, this, the show. The the broadcast is going to New Orleans, Henderson mm-hmm. Point. Um, I have a question about this part of the time that you probably don't, maybe you've heard it in your area. There's been um, these sounds in the middle of the night, like a trumpet, Ooh. Like a lot, like a like a continuous Whoa. sound. Isn't did have you heard anything like that in your area? Yes, I did. Do you have any idea um, what it could be? I have no idea. I didn't even know the sounds existed. And we had a UFO flap in Missouri, um, mostly in the fall of starting in, I guess, fall of 2011, going into 2012, August. 5th of 2011, uh, my husband and I were sleeping 3.10 in the morning, and we heard this uh, unbelievable, it was bang, 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 loud. Now, my husband's deaf in one ear, and it woke him up. He jumped straight up, and he's running circles. What is that? Well, we thought it was our our whirlpool tub outside, our hot tub. Mm -hmm. And so he went running down the stairs for that. I went out on the deck, and it wasn't that you could tell the sound was coming from about 60 degrees in the sky. And it was kind of an overcast kind of mm-hmm. hazy sky. And it went from that to the sound. It, the only way to describe it is you've seen war of the worlds with Keanu Reeves. And when that machine comes up from underground, it makes that really weird sound. Mm-hmm. That sound was next. And I went, Oh my gosh, all the lights in, in our core to the subdivision, oh, wow. on the other side, came out people were out on their decks and everybody was looking up i grabbed my recorder and just as i did the sound changed to um like almost underwater like and i got about two minutes of that and then it just stopped i mean not died down just flat out stopped i called 911 it was the it was flooded uh the phone lines flooded i uh then talked to my the next morning a police officer friend of ours he gave me a private number to dispatch dispatch uh told me the gal says well i when i came on this morning they told me to say it was the sewer plant down they the road she said they told you to say the sound and she said but what's really weird is the sewer plant i believe is six miles as the crow flies from my house even farther by road and she said all the reports were within a quarter of a mile I went over to the sewer plant and people, it's August, people were outside barbecuing because this happened on a Sunday. I mean, early Sunday morning, they're out barbecuing Sunday afternoon. No one heard anything. And I could see the sewer plant. Nobody heard anything. I never could find out what that was. Nobody knows what it is. Is I I, Gabriel, they call it or something like that. Maybe. I found the exact same sound. I did an alder rhythm on it. And I, in Canada, they ended up all over the world. Um, um, Linda Moulton Howell and, um, uh, Jaime Musan did a whole presentation on the sounds. I would love I to know, know what it is. No one else. I, what it is. I, you yeah. know, I, it sounded almost intergovernmental. It could be the like earth itself. Well, I thought it's, it was, it's, it's loud. It, you yeah. know, and I was going to take off on my Jeep and my husband said, where are you going to go? I mean, what are you going to look for? And I thought, I, I don't. Something's up there. Um, Something's going that's on. That's funny. I, I think it was either, um, I had someone remote view it. They thought it was a cloaked ship. 
And I had someone else that said that they thought it was um, interdimensional, that there was like a, a riff or something, and that we were hearing sound, sounds from another dimension. Maybe. That's possible. Well, we're going to have to leave it here right now, uh, Debbie. So um, where can someone get your book when it comes out? Oh, um, it will be available on uh, um, MUFON store, um, Amazon, um, my website that, that Margie K is putting up for me, debbydiver.com. Um, it's um, the alien colonization of Earth's waterways. Wow. Well, thank you again thank for coming you, on the show. We yeah, really appreciate you, it. Pat, we'll have a um, we have more time. We're going, we're going to have a bigger show. So next well, week's our big one. So thank you. From thank now you on. Okay. Thank you for joining thank us. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, that was a really good uh, show. We yes. learned a lot from her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it was very much. We so. can yeah. discuss. Yes. trying to attack me. I'm sorry, but keep an ear on that trumpet sound because it was in Western Pennsylvania and it was in the middle of the night and it's continuous. Sounds like a trumpet horn. That's a continuous, like a siren that keeps going. You know what? What if what if it is like the Earth? You know, because you know, um, you know, scientists and all that have been able to take sounds from like Saturn and everything, and it just sounds real creepy. You know, or it could be Gabriel's trumpet. You never know. Could be. We could be. We're in the yes. really, it's really bad out there. So you never know. Yeah. It could be, yeah. but uh, I just, this, we have one more sec minute, but I can't wait till next week. Uh, so we don't yes. have to rush yes. and we can uh, talk. Right. And next week is going to be after death experiences with, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. Embracing the light is the title. We'll just leave it at that, <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and um, we'll do it and see what happens. August if we, 10th. August 10th next week. And then the 17th we're going to do is call, are you ready? Um, We're going to try to get someone on the show that's getting a prepper for ends of times. And he's going to help us get, what do we need? What, when the grid goes down, what do we need? Because it's going to happen. (laughs) One of these cyber attacks is going to be the grid. So just be prepared. (laughs) Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. I'm just going to go ahead and play our ending. So we'll see you next week. And thanks again for tuning on to Chasing Prophecy. Go hunt.